Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. My name is Kevin Acey. Joining me for the last time, at least officially, Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Jay, we're here to review the Padres season and uh, the successful season that it was and all the sort of ups and downs. Uh, but I wanted to acknowledge that at the first, that uh, as you said, this is a very special 90210. <laughs> a powerful new ER coming up next. I knew it was a, I knew it was a big day, Kevin. You know, because Liverpool's playing Ajax. That's what you were referring to, right? Well, need a point uh, to advance. I was unaware to, of that, so no, need, that was not what that I was wasn't it. Need, need a point to advance to the Champions League uh, knockout rounds, which of course, by the time. The, the few people who do listen to this actually hear it will already know whether it happened, but uh, I don't know. So. This, yeah, <laughs> this, this, this is, uh, this is a different kind of day, which we will, uh, which we will address at the, at the end, but I hope people will hang around for, for that, but a lot of Padres to talk. And that's, that's why people tune in not to, uh, not to hear us <laughs> reminisce about our time together or, or any of that nonsense or, or the TV shows that we, uh, that we watched when we were younger. Uh, that sort of uh, that sort of thing. So the Padres, you said successful season. I, I think there's no question that was the case. If you look at the big picture of it, um, you know, if you went into spring training and you said you're not going to have Fernando Tatis for four months, let and then you add on top of that, you're not going to have him for the whole season and you're going to be in the NLCS, people would jump at that. I, I think the, the only tinge of disappointment, obviously, is losing in the NLCS and not just losing in the NLCS, but the way they lost and to the team that they lost to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing if you lose in five games to the 101 win Mets or the 101 win Braves who won the World Series last year or the 111 win Dodgers. But to lose in five games to the 87 win Phillies, I think, and we talked about this before, everyone was thinking, all right, they left here at 1-1, we're coming back. We're going to be at Petco on Monday, maybe on Tuesday, and we'll see what and we'll see what happens. But to to not even get a game six was, I, I would say, was disappointing. But if you look at the big picture, of course, you go to the NLCS. You haven't been there in 24 years. I think you have to consider it a success. Absolutely. And one more thing before we get into uh, kind of the regular season and and the, the regular and post as, as, as a whole for the 2022 Padres, uh, say Bryce Miller's column today talking about expectations going forward. And, and I would say that it is possible that in the future, if not probable in the future, starting next year, that it's World Series or bust. That it's that that this is the level. Okay, it was one thing to say this will be our decade, a la Peter Seidler. Uh, This is the window, or we want to win the World Series. And it's another thing to have been knocking on the door, and now to have this roster. And by the way, this is not a 2023 preview, but to have your top three starting uh, top three starting pitchers, two of them for the final year, as Blake Snell, you Darvish are in the final years of their contract, like this. This is the time. And I would say going forward, maybe next year there's an LCS loss and, and we're like, this was a failure, me and my new host. Uh, but uh, I say you might be like that, you know. You're going to be like, yes, because, Jay, you're going to take up smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only people could have seen you do that, which is as far from anything that I would do, have done, would do anything. That is that is so not me. That's so hilarious. I'm glad that you know so much about me after we've been friends for so long. 
It's so great that you did that. I just thought maybe, you know, I pictured you on the back patio, maybe. You know, what am I going to do now? I'll take up Smokey. Okay, so Jay, uh, the 2022 Padres, you have to start. There's only two choices, and I'm going to say it's Tatis. And what we look at, we have spent a lot of time, but it's tinged with Tatis. It's tinged with Tatis' absence. When they talk about drama, and look, there was a lot. There's a lot that goes on with a team, and, and, and it's a, every year is a soap opera and Bob Melvin and coaches miss time COVID Bob Melvin has prostate surgery when they say drama they're talking about the day before spring training and finding out that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to miss at least you know whatever uh two months I think they knew that it was going to be at least half the season then we're talking about the build-up to coming back it was this slow build all right yay um trade deadline oh my gosh we're going to be the unbeatable team boom August 12th suspension Jay what in your mind when I say like man Tatis was missing this year like what does that mean to you like what would this team have been and and like how big was this? Well, I, you're talking about a guy who at times is the best player in the league. Um, I and and it, at all times ranks among the top five or ten players in the league. You you, you took him out. You didn't take him out of the lineup for a week or or a month you took him out for the entire season so you know if if you factor in if you believe in in how many wins a guy is worth and i i don't know if that's exactly you know like would the padres have won eight more games if fernando tatis jr had had an eight war season i don't know if it exactly correlates to that the padres would have been a better team with fernando tatis than they were without him that's pretty simple to to get forward i also think what was missing was the thing that Tatis brings, and there were times during the year where this team was pretty boring to watch. And this team is almost never boring when Tatis is playing, certainly not when he's playing well. He does things, and we, we've talked about it. I mean, we were trying to figure out how many of these shows we've we've done, and we figure I don't know, at least 250 or something. We talked on a lot of them about, wow, can you believe what Fernando Tatis did in that last game? You know, he scored from from third on a pop-up. He, you know, scored from second on this. He made that defensive play there. He came up and hit and hit a home run there. There's just so much that he brings to the team, uh, at, at least that we see tangibly on the field. I, I don't know what it's like behind the scenes, how much was missing uh, there. But I just think to not have him, uh, the Padres did a pretty good job of covering for that in the sense of still winning. And, and you know, Hassan Kim had the second highest war on the team, I believe, among position players after Machado. So you have to give him all kinds of credit. You know, he's a finalist for that award I don't care about, but, it, but it's deserved. He played very well on de- on defense. You know, his offense isn't special, but his defense is the offensive part the excitement part, that's where Tatis was really missed. And even from the fan standpoint, you know, I think we saw how excited the fans got during during the postseason. I think Tatis brings – you can't help but get excited watching him during the regular season uh, as well. And so – and you talk about, uh, you know, him and Machado playing side by side, him and Machado hitting at the top of the order, throw in Juan Soto, and, and you know, we talked – when they traded for Soto, wow, look at the top three they're going to have in the in the order, and that lasted for 10 days. 
So. This could be, uh, you know, this year, I don't know where it is historically, but everyone in the game talks about the one, two, three of the Dodgers. Betts, yep. Turner, Freeman. Turner, very likely not there next year. Um, the, the Padres could have that kind of one, two, three next year, um, maybe sure. with more power potential. I mean, uh, you know. Oh, for sure. If Juan Soto hits homers. So, yeah, I was going to say, depending on which Juan Soto shows up, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it is special. I think, look, going forward, I think one thing that the last couple years should tell, well, how about the last three years should tell everyone in the world? We never know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> um, but but with these Padres, it's just it, expect the unexpected. And this team survived that type of player not being there all year. Like, remember, he's recovering from a shoulder surgery. He's recovering from a wrist surgery. He has never played a full season that was longer than 60 games. We're talking about him as if he's going to be back and play 145 games. He might not. I think it's a really big lesson that this was a a pretty good, resilient team uh, this year. Without question. And there's obviously he can't play 145 anyway. With He is going to miss the first 20. But – I don't even see him. What will I do without you, Jay? So, so, so he's so he's let's say he's eligible for he's eligible for one forty two, right? You know, I mean, if they got one twenty five out of him, yes, I would think that would be cause for celebration. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think we had this conversation in spring training, like if they could get X amount of games. I never thought he'd be back before the All Star break, anyway. So, you know, if they could get one hundred and twenty five out of him next year, wow, that's a that's such a bonus on top of. You know, and and again, I don't know what they're going to have, and we can talk about it later on in terms of as we go on, sort of what they need and the positions we'll get to each one. But um, he solidifies the lead to me. He solidifies the leadoff spot. Yes, I like batting those guys one, two, three the way the Dodgers yes. the way the Dodgers do, uh, as opposed to the where the Phillies have Bryce Harper hitting fourth. I I don't like. To, I mean, I don't I don't understand that. You're costing him at bats. Uh, you know, in that sense. But I, I think Tatis, whether he plays shortstop, whether he plays center field, I guess reading between the lines of what you wrote a little bit this week, left field is in is in the cards for somebody. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what yeah. what is your sense for where Tatis wants to play shortstop, right? He does, though I do believe that, look, this is a more pliable, amenable Tatis, right? This is a Tatis who says, oh, you want me to get surgery? Okay, yeah, I'll get surgery because I've really messed up. Um, (laughs) And and look, Ha-Sung Kim, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to let Fernando Tatis Jr. know where you think this team is best. And and the good thing for the Padres is, is that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to do what 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 he's told for a while. Here's the deal. Not that he did it before. I'm not trying to make him out to be that. But look, look, let's be honest, right? Things haven't gone well. Um, They believe, or I should say, here's the thing. We talk about the Padres, right? There are different factions, right? But but many believe that they're a better team. They're a more energetic team. They're a more engaged team. They're a more exciting team, which often a lot of those things then, you know, all those things can lead to more winning team uh, with him at shortstop. I think Mm -hmm. that's number one, right? But my gosh, what happens? uh, What are they able to do to sign a first baseman? Uh, What are they able to do? uh, What what is their level of confidence with Trent Grisham in center field? Uh, Do they believe, look, left field is hard, man. I believe that's a little bit of where Juan Soto earned his reputation of not being very good in the outfield. I mean, left field's a bear and, and the ball comes at you different left fields 
like the physical left fields yeah. are different in the major leagues, uh, little nooks and crannies and the way the ball goes like this. Um, by the way, if you're not watching, that was a hook, um, I believe. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know about that, but said to me, hey, you know, keep everything's on the table. So, OK, I'll put everything on the table. Um, well, and I think I think also what could be on the table is and I, I, I think it was I think it was fan graphs that had a story about this. And they said, you know, the Padres are in a position they could play an infield with four shortstops. Um, you That's know, what Machado. Bob Milton calls it, right. Yep. Okay, so Bob calls it that too. But, I mean, you have Machado, obviously, was, you know, a great shortstop, even better, probably better at third, uh, especially at this stage in his career. You know, Tatis and Kim, we've seen it at short, and we've seen Cronenworth uh, at short. You could play Kim at second and Cronenworth at first. <clears throat> a little bit, you know, Cronenworth's not exactly your typical first baseman in terms of power, but, you know, this team played a first baseman for the last few years that didn't have a whole lot of power. So I don't know where where they stand on that. I mean, um, I, they obviously need to get some, you know, if Josh Bell's not back and Josh Bell and Brandon Drury are both free agents, um, I can't imagine how anybody could want to bring Bell back. Drury no wants to I, bring Bell back, no matter what right. they say. Just try Drury, to remember when I, you hear quotes, they're, yeah. You know. Drury, I could see as a possibility. I think you mentioned as a you know at a friendly salary. I, I mean, he's not gonna he's gonna get more than nine hundred thousand um, that he made this year. But maybe if he's in there, there's a platoon situation. Guys work around. I mean, I I don't know. But it feels like Hassan Kim's defense helps this team, and he and he needs to be on the he needs to be on the field a lot. And obviously, the other guys all need to be on the field. There's another so. thing from this year, right? We talk about what was what was, whatever Tatis's WAR would have been. I say it was. I say they win ninety four, something like that, right? Ninety three, yeah. right? We're not we're not talking about it. Them having had to have scramble at the end if Tatis is in the lineup. But then again, how much would Tatis? How many errors would Tatis have made? How many? Sure. Uh, how much would Hassan Kim have played? Um, you know, let's say, I'm, and I'm speaking more like if Tatis were healthy the whole year. But yeah. uh, so there's all these variables that you just don't have any idea about. Um, would they have traded for Brandon Drury or say Josh Bell? Uh, who would have done what in the playoffs? Though I think you and I talked about it when someone pointed out that if. Uh, when Trent Grisham was killing it in the Mets series and the divisions or the wild card series that um, if Tatis had been there, uh, Grisham wouldn't even be in. And you said, well, Tatis would have hit five home runs already or might have hit five home runs already. And that's just what we come to expect of Tatis. The point yeah. being, look, this season was in a lot of, like it was bad, like not having Tatis, not having Drew Pomeranz. That was huge. Uh, Pierce Johnson well, for a, a lot of the season, uh, Mike Clevenger mostly hurt, right? Um, they also got super lucky on some things or were fortunate to find out some things um, like Ha Sung Kim or how about, you know, other than after Blake Snell uh, got healthy, he was healthy the whole year. You Darvish healthy the whole year. Joe Musgrove healthy the whole year. They, yeah. you know, they, there were Tom, some good things that happened too. Well, yeah. And that, that was mentioned in uh, what Tom Krasovic wrote yesterday and, and is in today's paper as well is that, they they really need some uh, some starting pitching because those those three guys at the top of the rotation you know once they as you said once they were all ready to pitch didn't really miss any time they they bought Musgrove a couple of days here and there uh, but you know those guys made they pretty much made all their starts and uh, the odds of that happening two years in a row 
to three guys that I think are all in their 30s. Is Snell in his 30s yet? He is 29, I, yeah, I believe. Okay, but anyway, th- three guys who are, you know, getting older. Yeah. Those guys, uh, those guys, you can almost guarantee, and this is, look, I'm not jinxing anybody, but you can almost guarantee those three guys are not going to make, you know, 95 starts between them next year. I think uh, one some- thing we can be confident of after 21, when he thought he had enough pitching, and 2022, <laughs> when the starting pitching, which is what we'll talk about next, was the most important yeah. uh, facet of this team or the most successful or the reason they were most successful. One thing we can be confident of is that, A.J. Preller will go out and get a quality starter or two. Remember, they had seven at one point. They had a seven-man rotation, ostensibly, they used for a time. A six-man rotation they used for almost the entire first half. So I, I think that's a formula that they will go after. Right. And of course, they thought they had a quality starter in Manaya, and it didn't work out that way for most of the season. I mean, he had his moments, but it was unreal. He, but he would he would be classified as one of the big disappointments on the team. Uh, you know, and look, I'm sure he, he looked like he played a big part in terms of of, you know, the chemistry and the dugout and all the stuff that they did with the Polaroids and everything. But on the mound, he was a disappointment. And I'm sure that came as a shock to a guy like Melvin, because if, if he would, you know, it's easy to say, well, they should have seen, they could have seen a decline coming. It's like, if anybody would have seen that Sean Manaya wasn't right last year, it would have been Melvin. Obviously, Bob Melvin thought that he was a good pitcher because otherwise he could have told AJ, look, you don't want to get this guy. So right. that, that really hurt there was to to not have that solid guy. Be, and, and obviously the Clevenger trade never worked out because he was, you know, basically was never healthy from after like his first four starts with the Padres. It was, uh, you know, he gave up a lot for him and he got hurt and never and never could really get right. Uh, so that's one that, you know, that, that didn't work out. So since we're talking about pitching, we talked about three guys, Snell, Musgrove, Darvish, very strong top of the rotation, Nick Martinez. Number four, number four guy. You, you could make an that. argument that he was the pitcher of the year. It was you, Darvish, obviously. And, and you know, you uh, Joe Musgrove probably is going to finish second if you had such a vote. But where are you? I hate to, I can't think of any other phrase than what Bob Melvin's favorite was. <laughs> where are we without Nick Martinez? Because, I mean, and, and, and it was funny because every time Bob did it, I should have it memorized, he would then summarize what uh, Nick Martinez uh, <laughs> right, did all right. year. Started out as a starter, went to the bullpen. At the bullpen at the start, it was longer relief innings. Then he was saving games for us. Uh, yes, it was absolutely phenomenal. No idea how. Here's the problem. Nick Martinez wants to be a starter. Nick Martinez deserves to have a shot at starter. That's why you don't have the super swing man on a team for more than yeah. one year, because then that guy wants to make more money, a la be a starter. Well, and they're paying him starter money. Uh, and and for the, for he the has most probably part. earned and himself he, the right to see if he should even make more. Yeah, no, there's no, uh, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, where the fifth and sixth and seventh starters come from, I don't know. That's Ryan for a Weathers. season preview. But uh, Adrian yeah. Morhone will be the proverbial, uh, you know, having a chance to earn a starting spot in spring training. Do not be surprised at all. Remember how good he looked in spring training and that, and even started the season. It was, you know, one start. Um, but for the Padres in 2021, before the Tommy John. So uh, I think Adrian Morhone as like a number five starter, that yeah. means you found a quality number four, <laughs> and, and so that, that's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, I mean, if you started with Martinez and Morahone, that's not a terrible situation there. 
The question is, what? Ha- who is after them? I mean, the guys on the forty man right now are like Reese Kinnear and Ryan Weathers. I think would be uh, would be next. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if better. Weathers is hopeless uh, at this point. You're obviously going to go out and get at least one or two guys. I mean, one thing this team has done uh, is find pitchers in sort of different spots. I mean, Nick Martinez wasn't you know at the top of everybody's list. Robert Suarez obviously uh, the same the same way. So, uh, but they know that, you know, they need, they need more arms. So that's, that's going to have to be a priority in the off season. And then on offense, the priority is going to have to be find some slug uh, beyond Tatis, but they're going to need somebody at first base and or DH the, what Josh Bell was supposed to provide in the second, in the latter two months, what Drury provided only occasionally, they need a guy like that, um, you know, to be a to be a thumper uh, in that position. If uh, Brandon Drury, and let's take away, let's take away a half a dozen home runs because he played in a band box for sure. uh, part of, a good part of the season. If Brandon Drury hit twenty three home runs for you as your first baseman slash DH, that's not bad, right? That's we'll not bad. That. He's not fantastic at first base, um, but, you know, a lot of first basemen aren't fantastic at first base. So uh, I think he's serviceable. Um, Hey, Jay, what do you think about Tatis at first base? I know it takes away a lot. It's just like, but it's like, wow, that'd be incredible. Anyway, I just wanted to throw it out there so that with my new host, I could say, if it happens, (laughs) I could say, hey, yeah, I talked about this on the Hot Lava podcast last year. He wouldn't know. So um, um, I I I don't I hadn't even I hadn't even thought I of that. I haven't asked a single person about it. I don't but, know. I mean, yeah. you do have. I mean, if you can have Drury slug as the DH, you could have probably afford to have Cronenworth play first. Yes, um, and he's not the prototype first baseman either, offensively or or even you know looking at him. But we've seen him play there, and he's pretty good. And and they have and a I good think, defense that's yeah. throwing the ball to him. So, you know, now there are some that Tatis would unleash on you that you, uh, but I, yeah, but that would be, I think, but you do one of those positions. Right. And Cronenworth has shown he, if you put him somewhere, he's going to play good defense. I think we've seen that no matter pretty much wherever he is, maybe he could play in left field. What about that? (laughs) Um, I think Cronenworth could play left field, but I think maybe, maybe that's the, maybe there's the answer to the infield situation you sign a first baseman and if especially if profar leaves i still think profar is probably better as a fourth as a fourth guy um but 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 you does know, profar is that an but, equation a part of the equation of profar figuring out what he wants to do absolutely yeah yeah because he, profar he, believes he, he's a starter of course he does and if he sees that and he sees sort of the writing on the wall that that the the playing time is getting is is closing in on him, and other guys are sort of surrounding him. He, then he might decide to leave. So yeah, no, it's definitely. Um, and then who else has the opt outs or or who else besides? Well, let's so, uh, let's segue to the uh, bullpen because one of the opt out is Robert Suarez, who has absolutely okay. played himself into a, a situation where he. <laughs> will get more money than whatever it was, five and a half, six million dollars that yeah. he would be guaranteed next year. Uh, because this is a lot of teams closer. Uh, and one thing that he showed over the final part of the season, and even though maybe the finish to the postseason wasn't great, uh, was against one of the best hitters. Uh, you yeah. talk about, you know, um, Tatis earlier. Well, Bryce Harper is 
you know, one of the best hitters in the game and at times is the best. And it certainly seemed like this postseason he was the best um, that, that Robert Suarez has a chance to leave. And, you know, that's a very real thing. And the Padres have been like, you know, yeah, um, we'll be OK. I mean, like, yeah, we'd love to keep him. But we got Josh Hader to pay 13 mil probably in arbitration. Right. Yeah. Uh, you got yeah. Luis Garcia. You're paying whatever it is for. Um, and you've got to replace innings from Stammen. You've got to replace innings from Pierce Johnson. Would love to re-sign Pierce Johnson. And that would give you a nice six, seven, eight, nine. Pierce Johnson, Stephen Wilson, Luis Garcia and uh, Josh Hader. Um, but this bullpen's well, best friend was the starting pitching. And, well, and that you, that didn't even factor in, and I don't blame you for this because there's no way you can rely on him, but Drew Pomerantz is making good, way too much money. Um, You're right. You know what? That's the second time because when I was writing the other day about uh, things, I almost forgot Drew Pomerantz, and that's because it was very easy to do. Yeah, and and he's, and you to, know, that that was a contract that was, I don't know, it, it almost felt like they were bidding against themselves for I have uh, such an issue with that. this because you're right but holy crap this guy is so good he's you've gotten like 40 innings out of him or something yes, yes. i know so anyway it, it seemed like a lot at the time yes. it hasn't hasn't panned out except when he's been healthy which hasn't been often enough but you're right if he's healthy he's really really good and and would really help this team i don't uh, another guy is jose castillo who obviously fell out of favor this year uh, I didn't look at his El Paso numbers to see what he was doing. I don't know what El Paso numbers show us anyway, uh, but it seemed like he, you know, you always thought, oh, he, he could come back, he could come back, and then they just, you know, they just left him down there. I don't know if anybody's counting on him. You know, Michelle Chris Matt Bias, had his, another guy Chris, who just kind of get shrugs now. Yeah, their hope Chris is Matt. That this was a year after um, Tommy John that next year he would make another jump. You know, not yeah. everybody Joe, hits the ground running right after Tommy John. So sure, sure. I mean, there's a lot of arms. Which Ray Kerr is, is down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Reese Kinnear has shown you that guy's got confidence. He's got Nick Martinez kind of confidence. I'm not saying he would step in and you would expect him to be your super swing guy, but Reese Kinnear could definitely be in this bullpen uh, with a strong spring covering innings for you. Yeah. No, I could, uh, I could, I could see that as well. We've covered the pitching. How about We've this covered, guy? What's that? How about this guy, Manny Machado? Manny Machado had an incredible season. He was by far the Padres' best player. He was one of the top two or three players in the National League. He carried this team for large stretches of the season. To, to quote Bob Melvin, where would we be without Manny Machado? The only complaint you could have against Machado was he did not come up big in the postseason. Right. Um, and, you know, he was. They, there were two $300 million guys in that NLCS, and one of them played like a $800 million guy, and the other one played more like a $100 million guy because he played good defense, but he, and he had some hits. But just there were some big moments where he did not deliver, even moments where all he needed, and, and sometimes they made up for it anyway, big moments where all he needed to do was put the ball in play, yep. and he was and he was unable to, yep. to do that. So, you know, look, you can't – the year before I, I looked, he was really good with, with – uh, in what Fangraphs describes as high leverage situations, he hit I think 340 or something in high leverage 
situations. This year, even all season long, he hit like 260. You know, that I, I don't know that you can read anything into anything. He could be in the postseason next year. Uh, and obviously, the Padres expect to be in the postseason next year. And he could come out and have a Bryce Harper type of postseason. But he was a, he was a disappointment at the plate in the offseason, in the I'm postseason. Not, I'm sorry. Absolutely. And I've been as harsh as anyone. And I've gotten some pushback like that he had something like a 910 OPS in the postseason. Well, it was an awful small sample size. And yeah. the reason that you pay $300 million uh, to a player is for moments like or for moments. OK, that's why yeah. you pay. Yes. Listen, man, uh, Manny Machado had drove in at least half of the Padres runs in 15 games this year. That means in 10 percent of the games he played okay, yeah. or started. Yeah. Uh, Manny Machado carried this team. High leverage is um, somewhat subjective um, sure. because Manny Machado can come to bat in the fourth inning knowing that his team ain't going to hit that night. And so it's yeah. a high leverage situation to Manny Machado. <laughs> and it most certainly is not a high leverage situation to Fangrass or whoever. You know, It's not close and late, but Manny Machado yeah. knows – this might be our last chance and he hits a two run bomb wasn't high leverage. They won two to one or they, you know, it was half their runs or whatever. Manny Machado was monstrous. Even if my one criticism, um, he shouldn't have been playing. He should have gone on the IL. Guess what? Manny Machado at 60% was their best hope. All right. Right. He had some big hits during that time in July. Uh, Some of those games I'm talking about where they won two to one, it's Manny driving in those runs. So uh, you cannot downgrade Manny Machado one bit other than to say, hey, he didn't come up in these moments. Now, look, you know, is Mike Trout not going to the Hall of Fame because, you know, he he hasn't gotten to the postseason and hasn't been very good when he's been there? No. Like, um, I'll push back on postseason performance a lot. Oh, absolutely. But the fact is, he he wasn't as good as he could have been. He tried too hard. That happened during the season, too. This is from other people that know baseball more than me, that, look, there's times when Manny Machado is the smartest player on that field, or he plays like it, and that's offensively, that's defensively. And then there's time he's chasing that outside pitch when he knows from the time he goes to the plate, don't chase the outside pitch, don't chase that. And there he goes after the slider. Why? Because it's in his head that look, I got to be the guy. All right. Yeah. And um, yeah. so that guy, well, what a year. Yeah. No, uh, for sure. We've talked a lot about Soto. I don't know that we need to get into it here. I mean, you have to think he's going to be better next year. Um, that leaves the you know the center field hole. No idea. It's so hard to have faith in Trent Grisham at this point. There's no way you can go into spring training and say Trent Grisham is our center fielder and not have another option in mind which um, they do <gasps> yeah well maybe and maybe that's maybe that's what they do uh but you know grisham I, it's funny i think we talked once maybe not on here but you told me or maybe you and uh, jeff talked about this at one of the games where you said like if the playoffs had ended after the dodger series if they had lost to the dodgers grisham would be looked at totally differently than he is right now it would have been wow you know he came up big in the postseason maybe he's turned the corner he found something missing and then he went back to being the worst possible version of of Trent Grisham in the uh in the postseason. Uh catcher is another story. You you wrote about it quickly or you wrote about it a little bit. Maybe you can discuss it here between Nola and Camposano. Do you think we're gonna see sort of a split time next year? How's that gonna how's that split in the organization and I see split time. First off, good good because you know what? Like that's probably when maybe both are at their best. And that's kind of what is 
the norm in Major League Baseball, yeah. right? Um, so forget the postseason. Yes, um, Nola probably was gassed. Um, yes, they should have had a better plan. Yes, they probably should have caught Alfaro on Saturday. Okay, um, Alfaro's going to be gone. Um, there's no split in the organization on that. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's some thought that, that Campusano can provide some more pop, which they haven't had in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have a, a manager who was a former catcher and who's down there every day. And you have pitchers who love Austin Nola and, you know, it'll be really interesting. Are we talking yeah. about 90, 70? Are we talking, you know, what are we talking about here? Um, you Darvish has never said Austin Nola has to catch me. Well, Austin Nola caught every game. And uh, I don't think that, that you're going to see you Darvish working with Luis Camposano. Luis Camposano is young. He has a lot to learn, and it's a really important position to Bob Melvin, and and, and it just is a really important position. So that's a huge storyline for 2023. Yeah, no, I think I think so. And it's like Musgrove made it clear he was okay with Camposano. At least it came off that way for a while. Now, whether he's okay for a whole season, I don't I don't know. I don't know about you know. Snell looks like the kind of guy that could get pretty frustrated uh, with. If, if things weren't exactly right. So if Camposano is going to play, you know, 70, 70 games, somebody's going to have to be okay working with them. Uh, and that's not even factoring in, you know, they were, they were somewhat fortunate that, that Nola was around to catch all of Darvish's games, just like Caratini the previous year. Uh, although that was, uh, you know, in the same situation where, cause that's a position as we know, where you got to be lucky to stay on the field as much as those guys too, man, they get beat up uh, a lot. And, and, you know, the Phillies have a great one in real Muto, but there's not a lot of other teams that are just throwing a catcher out there for 120 or 30 games. I don't even know how many real Muto uh, caught, but anyway, I would say that the future is still pretty bright for the Padres. I mean, I think anytime you can, you can start a game with Tatis and so, assuming Tatis is back Tatis and Soto and Machado, uh, and also include guys like Cronenworth in the in your lineup, and you can start a rotation with Snell and Darvish and Musgrove, and you can start your bullpen with Josh Hader. Uh, I, I think you're probably in pretty good shape. And then it's a matter of you know filling out the rest of the of, of the holes and 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 that sort of thing. That's that's kind of how I look at it going forward. But they're in a, you know the division is still tough. The Dodgers are still great. The Giants say they're going to do whatever it takes to sign Aaron Judge. Um, you know, I don't. The Giants are not going to suddenly turn into a seventy million dollar payroll team. They're going to spend money and and try to be back in this thing. And and uh, you know, you still have the Mets and Braves and Phillies and Cardinals all in the same league. So it's it's not like you can just roll out there and say, hey, we're going to be in the NLCS again. That's the thing about these. Uh, that's what hurts so bad internally, right? And I'm I'm assuming for fans as well. But in particular, internally, obviously, they have the best idea of how difficult this is. And when you make it that close, you know, like, you know, you could be next year's Dodgers, right? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and that everyone ultimately, except that one team, ends up really disappointed. Like the oh, team that loses sure. the World Series, like let's just say the Phillies beat the Astros. The Astros at some point are not going to be awesome. They're not going to always have Justin Verlander throwing like this, be able to overcome Altuve not hitting, you know, have the best rotation, the best bullpen, blah. They're going to be – 
so disappointed and worried. And guess what? Their general manager is going to have to go from there to the general manager meetings because because it's time to start looking toward next year. And that's what we'll do now. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's true. And, and you know, the disappointment, I'll, I'll segue off of off of disappointing. And, and one of the, the greatest disappointments about retiring, then there aren't very many, uh, believe me. But if there is, is one, it will be not doing this this show with you. And and I really, you know, I, I'm, I, it's been a real pleasure. And I mean, you and I have been friends for a long time and I know that will continue and I'll bug you all the time during games and you'll ignore my you can ignore my text even more than you do now, uh, except now you can say I was busy. Um, but this has been a, a I mean, I hope I hope it came across to people how much we enjoyed doing this. I hope. You know, I hope people still watch with whoever you end up uh, uh, doing this with. But it was it was it was an honor and it was and it was a blast. And I and I really am going to I really am going to miss it. Jay, um, I I I wish you hadn't uh, said all that and and, and gone first, because um, (laughs) I'm sure that the new uh, sports editor is going to be just a a real pal. And and it's going to be great to work for. I will never, ever work for someone like you. I will never have a friend like that. It goes back to our days in the Chargers beat together um, in our in our business. Uh, the guys that we cover talk about off the field. And Jay and I have been through some things off the field. Jay knows how to handle me. Uh, I'd like to think that I've grown uh, a little bit in that way where I don't need to be handled as much, but he still knows how to handle me. Um, and I'll never, ever have that again. And uh, I just hope uh, I hope this is really enjoyable for you. Going to miss you. Yeah. No, I uh, the same thing. So, all right. Before we make bigger fools of ourselves, we'll let John roll the uh, the, the special tune for the uh, for the end of the show. And uh, and we want to thank everyone for for watching for all this time and for listening. And thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Hey.